Hi guys and welcome to Glitching the Code here on Iconic.com. You'll be listening to this on Spotify and iTunes. I'm here with um, Vinny Eastwood today. He's not a credible journalist, he's an incredible journalist. I've met Vinny in New Zealand last week, last week, it wasn't last week, many months ago when this whole madness actually happened. I think it was the very start of this. We travelled over to New Zealand to make some some films there and we interviewed uh, Vinny for one of the shows. And Vinny, you've been doing this a long, long time, 13 years. Um, you've been making video content for your YouTube channels. I believe I'm your fourth, fourth, 4,000th video at the moment. This so that's is number 4,000. 4,000. Yeah. How incredible is that? I know you've just become a dad. I've just become a dad myself, and I want to talk to you about that later because I think in the context of what's going on, it reframes everything. But Vinny, been doing this a long time. How are you feeling watching the whole of what we've been investigating come about and start to surround us and and people are still refusing to look at it i just wanted to get your take on it doing this for quite a long such a long time as you are how are you kind of holding it together um do you want the honest answer or the uh or the, or the air, airy fairy no no answer? the honest answer weed all right basically if they <laughs> yeah <laughs> if good. Could... that's good yeah all right. So the uh, the the problem is with uh, being uh, completely sober the whole time. I, I remember when I was uh, talking to uh, Jack Blood uh, on American Freedom Radio, and uh, he'd been doing the Jack Blood show for 15 years at that point. And I asked him, I said, "Bro, how did you keep doing this gig and not allow it to turn you into a dick?" Mm. And he said, two two things." Number one, drink. If you if you didn't get if you didn't uh, have something to drink, you'd go nuts. And number two, take the money. If somebody if somebody offers you money and they're not asking you to change who you are or what you do or anything like that, and they're just giving it to you as a donation, just take the money. Okay, you need it, and they want to give it to you, so just take it. Those are the two pieces of advice he gave me. Now, uh, my dad was a drinker, so I don't. Um, I don't like the whole idea of uh, turning into an alcoholic, um, but uh, when I'm high, I'm not angry, I'm not uh, 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 stressed out and, and stuff like that, and allows me to essentially deal uh, with what I have to deal with. And that's essentially it to a large degree, you know? You just get a little bit high when it's a bit too much, some days is more than others. Some days, none at all, because it's uh, just a, a self-medicating uh, thing. But, um, yeah, the whole uh, concept of doing this for so long and then people um, suddenly freaking out when all the stuff that you've been telling them out for, about for years actually happens, uh, the phrase, I told you so, comes to mind immediately. You know, I told you so, but it doesn't make me feel any better to have told you so and you and you to have not listened. So, yeah, it's a l little bit of a uh, a frustrating one. And uh, as we were talking about before the show is uh, if these idiots who believe the government, who believe the media uh, go along with their agenda, they're not the only people who get dragged in with it. All of us do, too. The difference is it's a lot more stressful for us because we know that we're being roped into a lie. And this is the inversion of it, isn't it? Because this is the same kind of stance they're taking with the vaccine nonsense. They're saying, if you don't get the vaccine, you're harming us. And actually, it, like any satanic programming, it's inverted. And that's how frustrating is that. And actually, by getting the vaccine, by going along with these things, you're dragging people that have bothered to do the research into a future that we just don't want. And we tried to warn you about that's what's heartbreaking i think if we had the option to brave new world type go and live somewhere else altogether wouldn't be so bad but that's for me i i agree with you that that's hard isn't it it's the savage land uh yes and it's kind of like depression is something that uh, everybody who knows the truth about things will suffer from 
from time to time. If you haven't, uh, you're, you're not completely human yet. Um, I was talking to an old old friend uh, the other day and uh, talking about psychopathy, and he was uh, admitting to me that he's, he had to actually go a bit psychopathic in order to deal with this, uh, this stuff that we go through. And uh, my approach is completely the opposite. Um, when you close your heart off instead of opening it up, uh, I don't think it's uh, the best way to do it. But then again, I don't have any uh, perfection on it. So like when I interview somebody, I try to really care and, and not just like pretend, but but actually sit there and really listen to somebody. Listen like you, 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 you give a shit. Mm. And they will tell you things in that mode when they know that somebody's listening, when they know that somebody's not going to argue with them, when they know that somebody's not going to get angry with them or get their heckles up or something like that when they say something that makes them feel uncomfortable, they are allowed to open up and they really, really get out uh, what they wanted to say. And often at the end of the show, uh, my guests, some of which have been on in thousands of uh, interviews or documentaries and, th and things like that, uh, they'll say something along the lines of, this is the best show I've ever done. And, and it's because it's not an interview. It's a conversation, mm. you know, and that's something we're all deprived of, uh, especially in the in the truth movement, is good conversations with people about real stuff just on a daily basis. Just having those conversations is uh, really, really invigorating, uh, but not necessarily for me as the host, because I've got to do this and, 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 and that and the other while all this is going on. And in some ways, I don't feel like I get to actually appreciate the conversations. I didn't even have the time to listen back uh, to the air checks and stuff like that. But the guest feels better. They actually do feel better. And I can notice it, the, the difference in their tone of voice when they start the show and when they end the show. I know that uh, in many ways, if that's the, uh, the case for the guest, that'll be the case for the audience as well. And... My uh, producer of American Freedom Radio, he, he told me that there's uh, there's only one rule, and that's have fun. And uh, I've got two rules. Be yourself and have fun. Don't be fake um, and uh, don't be dishonest. Just be straight up with people, and uh, hopefully that'll be uh, okay with people, but you know, you get the trolls and the psychopaths and things like that who, who take your honesty and then they try to turn it against you. You know, if you admit something uh, that's a fault, they'll they'll bring up those faults and go, ah, but you said this and you did that, and we're just like, yeah, I did, and I admitted it, and I worked on it. Shut up, okay? <laughs> yeah, no, I I totally understand that, and I've been kind of speaking to people lately saying that we get too bogged down I think not maybe too bogged down but at the moment it's easy to get lost in the conspiracies lost in the he does he works for this person that person is connected to that person and not actually asking each other how are you doing mentally knowing all this stuff and it's a little bit like I, I'd liken it to the Tower of Babylon is that we can't speak to people around us because they don't know what we know in a sense and it's not being like oh, like trying to be smarter than anyone else I'm just saying they just have a different view, reality view um, because of the information, how do you find that you can com communicating with people that don't know this information? Do you find small talk hard? Do you find it hard to sit around family members that don't know this stuff? Do you find that it really does sort of some, sometimes isolate you? Oh, it's a it's a painful thing, man. I mean, uh, especially with uh, family, because uh, family know all your trigger buttons, you know. Uh, so when they uh, get angry with you or when they insult you or something like that, it just goes straight past your defenses mm. uh, and, and it hurts your feelings a lot of the time, makes it very difficult to uh, get stuff done. And uh, this year um, I had a very rude awakening because I've been, I think a lot of us only hang out with the other people that are like us principally because we know for a fact that if we're trying to have conversations with ordinary people, it ain't going to go too well and we're probably not going to enjoy it all that much, right? Uh, so we naturally gravitate to our own kind. Mm. Now, um, I'd been doing that for a number of years, and so I was very, very uh, taken aback. I wouldn't say shocked, you know, it was kind of like, well, of course. But I was taken aback uh, by the amount of trolling, uh, the amount of abuse, 
the amount of uh, stupidity, the amount of appeal to authority, logical fallacies and things of that nature that actually occur uh, during an average conversation with an average person. Uh, and it's amplified on social media uh, to such a degree. And uh, the reason why this uh, uh, awakening sort of uh, process happened this year uh, after 13 years is because not only had I not been exposed to it for uh, quite some time, uh, but this was the first year where I uh, helped out a political party that actually got any mention in the media. Mm. Like I helped out the Legalised Cannabis Party in 2010 and 2017 uh, with their election campaign. And then uh, Billy Tekaika from uh, the New Zealand Public Party uh, came on the scene and um, he gave me a grand a month to uh, have him on the show once a week. And uh, that's all gifting and, uh, and, and that kind of thing. Uh, just a handshake deal. And I couldn't work for the Legalised Cannabis Party again uh, because even though this was the year of our cannabis referendum, principally because I'd tried to introduce to them a bunch of new policies and things like that. In addition to, we want to legalize cannabis and here's our cannabis policy, I realized that they had nothing else to talk about. Right, nothing else. Cannabis doesn't affect absolutely everything. Uh, whereas when Billy came in, he was talking about the CCP, uh, the Communist Chinese Party infiltration of the New Zealand political system. He was talking about Agenda 21 and how all our councils and uh, local government and things of that nature were implementing it, that uh, Jacinda was well behind it and was actually at uh, Agenda 2030 Goalkeepers, sponsored by Bill and Melinda Gaines. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about the uh, the Whakaputanga flag, all right? And uh, that was our 1835 uh, treaty with the United Tribes flag, and uh, that jurisdiction is still there. All right. Now, what that guaranteed every New Zealander is our own rights and protection under the Crown. But the Crown got subverted in uh, 1840 by the uh, the Treaty of Waitangi, and they didn't actually lower the, the proper flag, the, uh, the Wakaputanga flag, right? So that means that we're currently operating under a false jurisdiction. We've all got birth certificates, and we're operating under the fact of a corporation, mm. okay? No other party was covering these three issues, which, in my opinion, are the only actual three issues that affect everything, you know. And so uh, a lot of people accuse me of selling out or even he's gone nuts. And <sighs> You mean I was sold out because I accepted donations for doing stuff that I've been doing the whole time? That's that's. That's me going crazy. That's me selling out, is it? Maybe you haven't actually been listening to the show, bro. Maybe you haven't figured out uh, uh, how stuff really works. Maybe I had a baby and uh, and a wife to take care of who can't work uh, at the moment, and maybe I needed that uh, uh, resources. And I am glad to say the 4,000th video today is also the same day that we have raised a $4,600 for a new laptop. Lovely. All right. Um, we got a new camera here. Billy got me it. I'll show you. It's a heavy bastard for such a little thing. Nice. So you can see that there. That is a yeah. uh, full-on uh, Sony Handycam. I, I got this from another uh, camera I had. Um, but, yeah, that's now a 4K uh, camera that I've got, but unfortunately, when I tried to hook it in uh, with this uh, uh, camera and this feed here, wouldn't work. So uh, for for some kind of unknown reason, so I have a backup computer right next to me, and uh, so it uh, I had to update that one. But then when I updated it, you know this uh, this web screening thing that we're doing right now that all the listeners are listening to, that stopped working entirely, and and the camera wouldn't work on it either. And I can't update my uh, computer back to the way it was. Right. So now that computer is basically useless to me. And then when I came back uh, from holiday uh, a couple of days ago, I sat down in front of this computer and a big, uh, oh, sorry, sorry, the uh, the backup computer rather, and a, and a, a little uh, no symbol, you know, like, you know, how they got that no smoking sign with the red slash through it. Yeah. That was showing on my screen and my Mac and my Mac wouldn't boot up. Right. Right. And then I come back to this computer 
and it's got a little uh, question mark. It's got a little question mark and a folder thing. You, uh, excuse me, I'm just going to have to take this call for a second. Um, hello, I'm on air. Yeah, call back in about an hour, please. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs> all right, sorry, sorry about that. Yeah, you're right. Um, okay, uh, so yeah, we finally got getting a, a new laptop, but this computer's screwed. My backup computer's screwed. So essentially, what's going to happen is I'm going to have to go back to um, I'm going to go back to scratch. So I'm going to have to get this new computer in, and I'm going to have to uh, set up all the programs again. And if we're very, very lucky, the new camera will work. And uh, then we can actually be back to uh, doing what we normally do. But at the, at the moment, I think maybe the reason why I'm not working as much or doing live streams and things like that is because all these technical things that I have no idea how to how to fix and what have you are just like mm. just blowing up uh, left, right and center. And it's just uh, it's just completely overwhelming. And this work uh, that I did this year. Uh, with the political party, that's the hardest I've had to work in a long, long time, and it really just drained the hell out of me. Because you know what I was talking about when you listen to people. Mm-hmm. Imagine trying to listen to twenty candidates who are actually standing in truth, who are actually going up against the establishment, and hearing their real stories about how they came to this conclusion. All right, and you have those conversations with them, and each conversation drains a little bit out of you. It just drains a little bit of your empathy out because you can't just keep caring and caring and caring and caring. You know, I've got, I've got limited empathy reserves mm. and uh, I need to get off of work, stop caring about people and start caring about myself uh, for a period of time until such a time as I feel like I'm, I'm ready to get back to work kind of thing, you know, take care of myself. And I haven't been taking care of myself um, uh, this year. I was working too hard. COVID was crazy i've got a um repetitive strain injury on my left elbow can't use that properly because i was holding my baby too much because uh in lockdown you can't have any uh family over or uh anything like that so it was um yeah now i've got a uh, a strain injury on my elbow that's going to take i don't know what the doctor say up to two years to heal all right and, and that's assuming i'm doing all the exercises which i'm not and it's assuming I'm always uh, uh, putting stuff on it, which I'm not, right? How many addictions have I got? How many things am I, uh, are in my way, right? And is the thing that's in my way me and my habits? Why, yes. Yes, they are. I did this to me. I did this to myself. All the problems I've got are my fault and my responsibility to do something about and it's really uh, uh, quite liberating to have the realization that everything is your fault and everything is your responsibility because then you can be motivated to change it what you're saying there also everybody has that same thing as well i mean i'm in a similar situation just had a little in myself you're holding a baby you're trying to make content you're trying to i mean i'm editing constantly I can understand where you are. And obviously with all this COVID nonsense going on and knowing what you know, of course you're going to burn out. You, you, you just do. You will do, but you will burn out. So, And although it's, it's your responsibility, you're not alone in that kind of burnt out stage at the end of this year. Trying to put this stuff out when really you're one person trying to put this stuff out of probably a good couple of million in the world that do this sort of stuff. But compared to what the avalanche of what's coming the other way, you are fighting a tidal wave of nonsense so you're going to burn out and that's totally understandable i mean just becoming a dad yourself how do you got knowing all this con this stuff was happening and your child being born in this year uh, the weirdest strangest year probably w- will ever have in the history of humanity well so far anyway of, that we know of having a child in that year in the weirdest year how has that kind of changed your look at, of what what's going on in the world has it made you more more driven to try and change it or do you just think do you know what i'm going to just try and protect my own i can't help the world it's not my responsibility how has that kind of changed your mindset it's a little bit of both really uh it has changed and it hasn't because i'm still doing the exact same thing i was doing i'm just doing it harder because now i've i've got a baby to feed you know um so i'm not here by choice by the way okay uh when i was younger uh i was selling weed and uh i got busted 
and uh, what, is it, what does somebody who's a complete idiot do when they get busted? They tell the truth. All right, and uh, then what do the police do when you tell the truth? They try to destroy your life. So they were going to send me to jail for up to eight years for a first offence for possession of 13 grams of cannabis. Jesus. All right, no diversion. And, uh, man, I was living with that uh, reality of possibly going to jail for up to eight years straight off the bat uh, for about a month. And uh, as a result, I've now got neurological damage, which I have to live with possibly for the rest of my life. Uh, called complex post-traumatic stress. Yeah, PTSD. So, when uh, when I go to job interviews and things of that nature, after that incident, it was fine. I was able to work. I was able to do telesales and things like that. But then, my employer asked me to give them like, some ideas for the company, how they could run it better, and so I told them a whole bunch of stuff. And then he went and he told my ideas to my bosses that were under him. And they didn't like that. All right. Um, so that was kind of like a little bit difficult. Then I got a promotion and I uh, saw that there was a, a lot wrong with the uh, the higher end of things uh, in the company. It was a ma major multinational uh, telecommunications company. And so I wrote a uh, seven-page essay about the uh, the problems that were with the company, staff retention, training programs, and, and things of that nature, and how we could actually solve or, or at least improve them. I think the uh, the vice president of the company called uh, me and the other account managers into the office. We looked through uh, about we got about halfway through page two, and then he had another meeting, so he so he left, and then nothing was done. Asked him about it, and he says, well, as far as I'm concerned, the issue is resolved. And then they fired me. Uh, or rather, they uh, they gave me six weeks' uh, pay to leave within five minutes. Right. As in, pack up your desk really, really quickly, get get out of here, and here's the money. Right? I was like, I hadn't had a summer holiday for a while. It was great. And then... A couple of other psychopathic uh, employers later, I tried to go to another uh, interview and I found that the exact same thing that happened to me when I was first in the police cells, when they cut off my uh, my greenstone necklace that my uh, mother gave me, had a panic attack. All right. First time it happened, I didn't know what it was, but after it happened during a, uh, after a job interview, when I was faced with the prospect of going to work, for somebody else that wasn't for the truth it was just for money i had a panic attack and i haven't been able to work since so i'm unable to work in the public sector because of what the public sector did to me i'm unable to work in the private sector because of what the private sector did to me and so here i am not by choice but because the alternative uh, causes a physiological reaction that causes my body and my mind to shut down. Mm. Okay? I'm an incredibly intelligent, really talented guy. But I can't do things that ordinary people can do. You know? Uh, I, my body just doesn't let me. It's not like I'm arguing with it or, or thinking about it or anything like that. I just get a physical uh, reaction. And that's what living with complex post-traumatic stress is. Your thoughts manifest physically and immediately. Whenever you experience anything that is close to resembling the previous things that traumatized you. And the things that traumatized me were authority and working for others, okay? And the, and the main thing that really uh, connects uh, both of them, I think, is uh, freedom, all mm -hmm. right? Yeah. The fact that one doesn't, that neither of them respect your freedom and you don't have the freedom to walk away without consequence, okay? So right now, for example, I could decide, Richard, I don't like you, bro, and I'm going to hang up this call, and then I don't have to talk to you again, okay? I'm free, but I'm not going to do that 
because I do like you. I do like having this conversation. I don't have to be here, and I'm here by choice. As soon as somebody chooses to try to take away my choices, that's when my body starts reacting. That's when the thoughts shut down. I have a similar, similar thing, and I think a lot of people that do this work tend to. I was beaten up when I was 19, quite, quite well, bad, very bad, um, and PTSD from that, including a lot of operations as a child way before that. So I understand exactly where you're coming from. You start. To, I mean, mine come out in slightly different ways: panic attacks, um, skin disorders, um, all sorts of weight loss. But it was a similar thing, and I get exactly what you're saying. And um, I find it hard to work for people. And also, once you do, you feel like that that kind of them sort of things led you down the path to look into these different ways of seeing the world, where you're looking for kind of. I suppose it is. Answers. No, I was introduced to it way before that. Like oh, okay. uh, my first year of university, my uh, my flatmate Liam. He introduced me to three things which have basically since ruled my life. Cannabis, Bill Hicks, and Michael C. Rupert's uh, The Truth and Lies of 9-11, his uh, presentation that he did at a university campus in the United States where he chronicles all the uh, financial connections between uh, the Bush family, Nazi Germany, and uh, 9-11 and gets it all in. And he's, he was like a uh, Justice Department uh, decorated uh, officer contracted for the CIA and everything like that and he starts off with saying that there is a way that you present evidence to limit conjecture and this conversation that I'm about to have with you now this presentation is going to back you into a corner okay and you know what me and Liam were doing the whole time we were watching this we weren't arguing we were laughing because the evidence was so absolutely obvious, mm. so in your face, that it was funny to us. You know, we had very sick sense of humor. And luckily, I've still got that. So, um, you know, there was a while where I was doing the uh, the introdu introduction of the show, uh, went something along the lines of, um, Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Vinnie Eastwood Show, the lighter side of genocide. Just because we're being exterminated doesn't mean we can't make it fun. Otherwise, what's the point of being killed? The Vinnie Eastwood Show, where the only thing worse than living in a high-tech global police state is Vinnie's jokes. Now, the, the, the concept behind this is that it immediately tells you what the show is about and the tone in which it's going to be delivered. Now, it's kind of like a bug spray, okay? You know when you uh, when you put some mosquito repellent on your arm or something like that, the mozzies don't like it. When I do that, uh, when I do that intro, there's a whole bunch of uh, mosquito-y type human beings who don't like it, and, and they buzz off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you okay. see, yeah. you know, and and I think maybe that was a a protection blanket for myself okay. because. If people who don't understand, you know, watch this show, they're going to pull me up on all sorts of stuff and argue and get angry instead of doing precisely what they should be doing when I was watching Michael C. Rupert. Laugh. Okay? The laughter uh, is something that is sorely lacking in the truth movement. Absolutely. Okay? I mean, you have a look at um, Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks could tell you so many really amazing, interesting things. They'll just blow your mind. And also, at the same time, you're pissing yourself laughing. And, and I thought, well, isn't that the way uh, uh, things are supposed to be, right? When uh, Chief Sitting Bull uh, had his first meeting uh, with the Colonials, he came out of the meeting house and he looked he looked really... These guys were like, what, what's wrong, bro? And uh, Sitting Bull goes, there was no laughter in there. All right, and, and and it's an interesting thing because if you've ever sat with uh, tribal elders and uh, and and stuff like that, which I have, laughter is the constant. Everybody's having a freaking good time. Everybody's hanging out, having a conversation and stuff like that. They might get, they might get uh, upset or angry at some, at some uh, points here or there, but there's always good humour. There's always good nature uh, within it, and and things don't go uh, too far awry. <laughs> When you're watching the news, the news, how often are you smiling and just going, man, this is a great conversation? How often are you laughing and going, oh my God, that was a terrible pun? You know, very rarely, if ever, right? And, and that's why uh, I think Stephen Colbert and uh, John Stewart and uh, various other, 
you know, uh, comedians started doing news shows and people actually really loved it. Okay, and in fact, they started to regard these comedians who were not trained journalists as the most trusted names in news in America, according to some polls. Right now, it occurred to me that if the comedians are now the newsmen, it's probably because the news has become a joke. All right. I remember listening to an Obama speech uh, back in the day when we still had television. <laughs> I, I was laughing so hard. Like it, it was it was almost like I saw Obama doing a, uh, a sarcastic impression of himself, telling all these outrageous lies and stuff yeah. like that, almost like he wasn't taking it seriously. And it was freaking hilarious. Yeah, and I agree. It's It's like... In, in this country, it's Monty Python's become reality, and um, it, it really is. It really is. Do you think these? And I hate these terms, but it's, it's the way we we kind of communicate it. The woke left. I hate those terms. They don't seem to understand real humour. There, there is a kind of psychotic laughing there. That's not. It's totally detached to humour. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's it's creepy. Yeah. All right. Um... It's frightening, actually, because people who don't laugh and don't really laugh and mm. don't actually know how to have a good time, they're dangerous. Yeah. You know, because they're always in a zone. They're always trying to get at something. They're never able to just sit back and go, let's see what comes. Okay. They're, they're just not relaxed. They're tense. Uh, and what, what, programmed them with all this freaking tension is the question you know was it the news media was it the schooling was it the uh, the movies that they watch and, and and that kind of thing mr jones in the chat room says most comedians aren't funny these days and it reminded me of something somebody did an impression of of a person and it was a really good impression and it was really funny right and uh then this comedian looked at other people who were doing other impressions, say, of Donald Trump, and they're not funny, all right? And he said that the reason why my impression of this person is funny and your impression of Trump is not funny at all is because I love the person who I'm taking the piss out of just a little bit. I love aspects of them, and that's what I'm making fun of. You don't love Trump in any way, shape or form. So your impressions come across as hateful rather than fun. Okay? You're making fun of somebody. You're not making fun of somebody. You see what I'm saying, the difference yeah. there? Massive. And then we saw this, didn't we, with the late, I think it was a late show, um, Roasting. This whole roasting phenomenon was horrific. He said, that is playground bullying, awful nastiness, and you're trying to normalise that. That's psychotic to me. Yeah. And uh, psychopaths will uh, gather to anything. I was like uh, talking to my chiropractor yesterday, and, and I was telling her that um, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I like having these conversations. I like doing. I like doing this job uh, because I don't really have a choice, right? I have to. Um, and so... My what I really want to do is I want to make music with my band, mm -hmm. and I want to make movies. Two things for a truth to occur immediately when you think about the film industry and the music industry, they're completely freaking absorbed with psychopathic freaking money grubbing banker scum. Absolutely, all right? yeah. They're freaking controlling every every way that we're entertained now is being given to us by by scumbag. Like if Jimmy Savile and Rolf Harris weren't pedophiles right would their art and everything have been as good or or something like that i was having a conversation with my mate this morning before the show about um how let's say if i found out i don't know my, one of my favorite directors is uh, say james cameron or uh, or steven spielberg or something what if i found out that they're actually complete freaking scumbags 
could you still enjoy their movies? Because they're not the only person who made their movies. They're not the ones who who wrote every word in the script. They didn't mm. act. Uh, uh, they didn't do all the acting. They didn't do all the all the visual effects and things like that themselves. What if there's a whole uh, uh, gamut of things? But the entertainment that they put out, as soon as you know somebody's a freaking psycho, like for example, uh, the Pete Santilli show. As soon as I found out that Pete Santilli was a was a complete psychopath, and as soon as he'd screwed me over really, really badly and uh, destroyed my life. So had my life destroyed three times, one by the public sector, one by the private sector, and one by the truther sector. Okay? That's a huge freaking amount of uh, psychological damage uh, for me to deal with. And uh, so now if I hear the guy's voice, all that tension comes up. If I hear anybody who even sounds like him or talks about the stuff the way he does the tension starts uh, 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 getting up there so here is the difficulty how do we do what we want to do the way we want to do it without psychopaths realizing that there's money and power and human life to steal okay yeah i've had to say i mean i've got an honest dream film and tv production and i've gone the route of doing this stuff because this is what i love to do and the only answer i have to that is to do it to get as good as you can and as talented as you can with and ask for the smallest amount of money to make to make your living and that's the only answer i have for you there is just live the small don't ask for a lot and therefore you'll grain you'll you'll have as much control as you can how much do you need to make what you want do you need a fucking drone shot do you need all these extra things to tell the story that you want to tell just don't ask for much and make as much as you can out of nothing well, it's uh, funny you mentioned that because uh, somebody was, uh, uh, I think it was a Brave Companies guy on YouTube here in New Zealand. Just after doing this for 13 years, after Christchurch happened in uh, 2019, New Zealand's 9-11, suddenly we've got YouTubers in New Zealand, you know? For 13 years, I was the one. Yeah. Okay. Suddenly now people are awake, you know? And uh, do they ask me for help? No. Do they ask me for advice? No. Would they take it if I gave it to them? Nope. <laughs> so he was uh, commenting the other day saying, oh, I'm going to tell people that eventually I'm going to ask for help to uh, to make my uh, to make a new truth of studio company and, th- and things like that. Not entirely what you like, what you guys are doing with um, uh, Iconic or, or, or whatever it is. Mm. Um, so my uh, my approach to it is always remain independent, always keep your uh, your budget as low as humanly possible and uh, make sure your income is passive. Okay, yeah. so ladies and gentlemen, if you support the Vinnie Eastwood show, if you support the 4,000 videos that I've made on one channel alone over 13 years, you know that I'm here for the long haul. I'm not freaking going anywhere because I don't have a choice. Support me passively, $5 a month. I've got one uh, listener who gives me $300 a month, 100 for me, 100 for my wife, 100 for my baby, okay. you know. So the fact is, when I get really depressed or overworked or burnt out or something like that, I can just take as much time off as I need. Not as much. I never get as much time off as I want, mind you. Just just as much, just as much as I absolutely need before I can get back to work. And um, I think I've been off since uh, October 17th. I haven't actually been doing my regular shows five days a week, but I'm actually now feeling just about rested enough to get back to it. And it's Christmas so I can't get back to it. So, you know, we can't all be winners. Yeah. But what, you, what you've managed to do is, you, as you say, you've been burnt by all of these things. You've created a, a life for yourself and a business for yourself and an income for yourself out of nothing. You've done that off your own back with nothing. And you've, so you give, I think you give, you seem to give yourself a bit of a hard time, but you've, you've done that out of nothing. No one's handed that to you. And you should be incredibly proud of that. And you're still doing it now, even with a little one and the world falling down around you. You've managed to actually create something out of nothing. Yeah. I mean, I think it was my uh, payment, my last official month's work. I think this was in uh, 2007, I think. Mm-hmm. I was uh, doing uh, face-to-face uh, sales for uh, a Vodafone reseller, uh, landlines, toll call packages for businesses and things like that. And I was at the same time listening to uh, what I consider too much Alex Jones. Okay. 
there is such a thing as too much Alex Jones. Yeah, and if, if you're wondering, if you're wondering how much too much Alex Jones is, are you listening to Alex Jones? You're listening to him too much. Okay, yeah. so that's like it's a good call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, Jay was on Alex Jones a few days ago as well. Yeah, I have my my reservations about about the um, what's going on there as well. Yeah, I mean, it's fine to go on it. Use the, use the platform and, and, and what have you. But if you're listening to it day after day, mm. in some cases on repeat, like I was, it starts to program you uh, to being Jonesian, all right? And if you go back to uh, some of my very first uh, videos, um, you go out and you look like Vinny was like a little uh, Alex Jones of New Zealand. Uh, but now it looks like Alex Jones is the Vinny Eastwood of America. Right, because I've I've uh, done my own thing. I realised that I wasn't him. I didn't I didn't have his style uh, per se. I didn't have his personality. I had my style. I had my personality, and I think it's uh, far better in terms of quality radio to listen to when two people are having a, a, a nice, uh, fun conversation and they're letting each other talk, for instance, in some cases, 10 minutes at a stretch, you know, because somebody can really get the thought out. But when it's always uh, being interrupted with, I'm sorry I'm interrupting, oh my God, I'm ranting, go ahead. It's just, um, it's not conducive to a healthy state of mind, all right? Um, because he's in war mode, all right, info wars. I'm not in war mode. I'm I'm still in peacetime, and maybe that is uh, not the right move. Maybe I should have been in wartime. Maybe I'd be a lot more famous, a lot more wealthy, a lot more powerful, but would I still have a working marriage? Would I uh, still have my, uh, my band uh, together with my good mates? Hmm. What would I have to give up in order to become something I'm not, right? Would that be a net gain or a net loss? And uh, to be frank, if you're not being yourself, if you're not having fun doing it, don't do it. So I do my show my way. Alex does his show his way. And I had to learn that. Okay, um, but it wasn't something that just kind of like comes to you. It's uh, uh, Patrick Sarah says in the uh, chat room there. I lost respect for Alex, Alex when he said the Arabs run Hollywood. <laughs> exactly. Well, it is a Middle Eastern nation that runs Hollywood, but it ain't any of the Arabian ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, um, and and that's the thing. People have blinders. Okay. Sometimes I wish I had blinders, so so I couldn't let all this stuff that destroys my worldview in. But I don't. Okay. I or at least if somebody points one out, I'll think about it and go, "Oh yeah, you're right. I haven't considered that." Right. I have never seen that happen with uh, almost any other talk radio show host. Right. They're not in the zone of learning. All right. I think it's really what you've just pointed out that they don't listen. That's the frickin' point of talk radio. Somebody's talking, that means somebody needs to be listening. When you're a talk radio host, you're you're essentially um well, it, it's it's ironic. You know how psychopaths or satanic inversion works and stuff like that. What is the what is the satanic inversion of a host? A parasite. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, so so think about it, ladies and gentlemen. Is your host actually a parasite? Okay? I feel like sometimes I'm stealing your energy, guys. Okay? And not giving it back. So I correct myself, and then I go back into sharing energy and making things uh, better and positive. No matter how dark the conversation gets, you know, I've, I've cried on radio broadcasts with my guests sometimes and can come to tell some really thing. I'm really open to that shit from happening. If I'm watching something, it's a form of entertainment or anything. There are two things that I believe signify the meaningfulness or the value of that interaction, whether you're a passive participant or an active participant, doesn't matter. 
Did you laugh? Did you cry? All right. The reason why it's laugh or cry is because they're both physical reactions. Okay, they're an outward manifestation of what has been internalized. And that, as an artist, I feel, is uh, what you want to strive towards. If I do a play, I want people to laugh and I want them to cry during it at some point. And the uh, the best uh, writers and actors and things like that can get you to do one after the other, just almost almost instantaneously. You're crying and then and then, <laughs> and, then you, and then you laugh it out. Right. This is how we release the tension. Now. That doesn't get you listeners. I've got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm the most subscribed YouTube channel in this country that does news, even more than the mainstream media. Does that mean that I've got tens of thousands of views and things like that? No. Because after you watch the show, you feel relaxed and you go to sleep restfully and you get up the next day and you're not stressed out. But if I was talking about current events, news, it's breaking, oh my God, all the time, mm. you would want to tune in the next day and the day after that and the day after that and the day after that. And you would feel tension constantly if you weren't constantly initiating more tension. Okay? It's, it's a negative feedback loop, and I don't like it. I don't like people uh, 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 watching the, the daily news and getting absorbed in it, you know? Have you ever seen the, the movie uh, What We Do in the Shadows, the uh, the Vampires in Wellington one? I haven't seen that, no. Taika Waititi, thank you. Freaking hilarious. So there's this bit there where the vampire, main, main vampire guy played by Taika Waititi, he, uh, he, he mails himself via a ship to New Zealand to be with this, uh, to be with this lady he, he wanted, right? Because uh, he loved her. But his, uh, his assistant, his, um, his familiar... Uh, did him in a, in a cheap uh, 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 mailing fashion, so it actually took him several months to get here to New Zealand. And by that time, uh, the woman he was planning to be with had already married somebody else. So here he was, a vampire stuck in New Zealand. He'd been here for over uh, 60 years, you know, still looks at the, the, like he hasn't aged a day. And uh, then they get this new vampire into the uh, into the crew, and uh, he's he's young, so he knows how to use Skype and all of this sort of stuff. So he puts him in touch uh, with his familiar across Skype, and this is uh, QAnon QAnon uh, personified, in my opinion, or, or at least some of them. His uh, his familiar goes, Master, I haven't seen you for years. You said yes, you were going to turn me into a vampire. I haven't done anything with my life, and now I'm old. <laughs> and I thought to myself, holy cow, holy cow. Is that what we, as talk radio parasites, and, and I know I have been one on occasion, actually do to our listeners? Mm. They sit there waiting for us to either turn them into something or to do something for them that they cannot do for themselves, and they sit there, get older, they wait, they don't actually do anything of their own volition uh, or purpose with their own life. Yeah, I, I get that. I mean, there's clear comparison to QAnon on there. And um, as I said before we started, I'm writing a book about com comparing COVID-19 to cult indoctrination, and, and there... The idea of having subscribers and followers reeks of kind of cult like I want to look to someone else to to help me and even if it's just watching them it's it's the lack of doing anything and I get what you're you're saying there is that we almost become it's very easy to start to kind of accidentally build your own cult not that I've got any subscribers but it could be very very alluring to here's how you do it become all right like this, this is how I've done it without creating a cult Ladies and gentlemen, there is a number of purposes uh, for doing the show. The most important purpose behind you listening to my show is to stop listening to the show. Okay? Now, don't understand, don't mm. misunderstand when I say that. Go into your go into your little happy place and you and you think to yourself, okay. I have just listened to Vinny interviewing this guy. This guy has had almost identical uh, traumatic experiences to me. 
he didn't let those traumatic experiences beat him. In fact, he changed his life and he started doing something in his own way that not only improved himself and his own life, but also improved uh, and, uh, the lives of many others. Okay. So each show, my hope, at least the goal, is that there will be one person, maybe one, that will stop listening to the show and won't be able to listen to it maybe for, for years because they've been too busy working on themselves, working on the truth, working on their own volition, their own terms. Okay, That is the number one reason to listen to the show. The number two reason, of course, is give me money. So, so go to the vinnieeastwoodshow.com and make a donation today. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a good point, though. The other thing I wanted to just so let's go a little bit further there. Do you think conspiracy theories are a way of hiding from the world in in some ways? And you, there is no end to the to the rabbit hole. There never will be an end to the rabbit hole. And you can spend your whole life in conspiracy theory land. And is that that seems like kind of a bit a bit sad to me, really. And I love this work, but it really feels like actually I keep digging and digging and digging and I'm never going to end up come up for air at any point. Yeah. OK, so trivium. Real work. And a tree that provides shade all right let me just explain what i mean by those mm -hmm. so the trivium is basically this you've got to figure out what a fact is who what when where why and how that's how you determine what a fact is okay and uh rabbit holes spider webs and useless knowledge okay so these are the points i want to get out so trivium you got to figure out the facts first who what when where and how Secondly, once you've know the who, what, when, where, and how, and you've been doing it for a while, and somebody can come up to you at any point and, and ask the who, what, when, where, how, whatever your subject is, and you can rattle off answers like that, you're now a, a professor, essentially, okay? And in, in whatever it is that you're doing, that's provided you know the, the majority of the answers, and also you know that you don't know all the answers, okay? Mm -hmm. Once you've got that under your tab, your, uh, the rest of your goal in life is to teach what you know to others, what you have learned in, through your understanding. Okay, so that is the entire trivium process. Figure out the who, what, when, where, why, and how. Know how to answer any who, what, when, where, not how questions so that you've, you've, you've got it enough. And then teach what you've learned to others for the rest of your life. And then your life's purpose is fulfilled. And we all have the exact same purpose it just takes on many different shades and forms uh, based upon our personality skill sets and interests all right that's it that's the trivium that's what we're all here to do now real work is when you stop listening to the Vinnie eastwood show and you go and you make your own or you uh you build a a, a water-fueled car or a uh a self-charging dildo. I don't know what, what anybody's uh, into, you know, and, and and God bless them. But but still, there, there are there are very, very uh, much uh, creative energies out there that, that come out when people do uh, real work. Now, what kind of form or expression does that take? It depends on what you're doing. So you're a fifth dimensional being. And what that means is that there's a basically five dimensions, maybe six if you count extrasensory perception, but it's not exactly a, uh, a rubric that we're really capable of uh, uh, mentioning. So first dimension's a dot, second dimension's a line, the third dimension is a box, and the fourth dimension is that box moving through time. And the fifth dimension is the box, but it's beyond time, it's beyond space. And that's when all your uh, ideas are. So if you've got an idea in your head right now, you've got five seconds, ladies and gentlemen, to turn off the show right now and go, wow, oh, that's really inspiring. Vinny, I'm going to go and do this right now. Turn off the show. You've got five seconds to do it. Otherwise, inspiration's gone. Okay, that's, that's how quick it works. And what you've got to do is take the ideas that are in your head they only exist in there. They're useless if you just tell other people about those ideas because nobody gives a shit about your ideas except you. Nobody cares about your life except you. You're the one who has to manifest everything. So you've got something that doesn't exist. What do you do? 
you compress the dimensions. Instead of going from one dot to a line to a cube to a box moving through time to through the box beyond time and space, you take the box that's beyond time and space in your head, you spend your fourth dimensional time working on that puppy until it is manifested into physical three-dimensional reality, and then, only then, does your work give you any kind of fulfillment. Then, only then, does your work that you've manifested into the physical universe able to be consumed absorbed and inspired by other people okay everything that you have done in your life has been inspired by other people and so you are depriving the world of inspiration by refusing to spend time manifesting your fifth dimensional thoughts and inspirations into the three dimensional universe where they are meant to be you're meant to be doing this okay nobody's telling you to do it you have to tell yourself. You have to force yourself. The Greeks believed that your goal in life is to plant a tree whose shade you know you will never get to sit beneath. I've done 4,000 videos, folks. At least now. And I will not be the main beneficiary of all of that knowledge. I'm the only one who's been there for every single show. But it is others who will benefit from my works because I actually willed them into the physical universe so that they could be shared, they could be viewed. Now, when you go down to rabbit holes, all right, what does this mean? A rabbit hole is when you go into a completely different reality, all right? And this reality is amazing. It's it's beautiful, it's scary, it's interesting, but also at the same time, you're not accomplishing anything while you're down in a rabbit hole, are you? And how weird does the rabbit hole end? It doesn't. Okay, so let's say you go down to the vaccine rabbit hole, and you just stay on that path, you don't learn about fluoride, you don't learn about chemtrails, you don't learn about uh, psychopathy, you don't learn about a satanic ritual child abuse. You don't learn about geopolitics. You don't learn about X number of 360 degrees of, of awareness you have not entered into because you have just gone down this one rabbit hole of vaccines. And that could be anything, a rabbit hole. It could be it could be chemtrails themselves. It's The point is, one thing is not the be-all and end-all, having a spectrum of knowledge, okay? Don't go down the rabbit hole. Go across the spider web. Okay, each and every little strand of the spider web is a rabbit hole, just so long as you know that they're connected and that you can get a full picture when you just step a little bit back. Because as the old um, Buddhist saying goes, I think it's I think it's Buddhist. I can't remember exactly which might have been Kung Fu. He says that before enlightenment, you must chop wood and carry water. After enlightenment, you must chop wood and carry water. You see, nothing actually changes because you learned something, okay? Knowledge that you acquire and do not use or put into practice is the definition of useless knowledge. So I don't care whose show you're listening to, if the knowledge that they are giving you does not enrich your life and inspire you to pause that show or stop listening to it entirely to motivate you into manifesting things into reality to make this world or yourself better than it was yesterday, then you're not living your true purpose, okay? Somebody has stolen your purpose from you. And that person, the only person with the ability to do that, is you. Stop robbing yourself of purpose by watching vicariously other people fulfill theirs. It's a great point. And it's the last one I want to bring up to you before we go, because I'm taking up your time. Do you think then it, with that in mind, the internet is almost like a, a stuck zone between the information and the inspiration in your head and getting it done within reality. It's a place for information just to be stored and stuck. And people are just, staying in that middle ground that no man's land of looking at information but if it's an information future 
based future, nothing will get made, nothing new will be created, but everything will be talked about and looked upon, but nothing will be made. Hmm. Yeah, I definitely don't see that happening specifically, but uh, there is a... Uh, I think the real thing here is screen addiction, okay? Have a look at the Mayo Clinic, and uh, they uh, released this study uh, saying that basically almost everybody is screen addicted. How do you know if you're screen addicted? More than two hours are spent looking at a screen per day. That's their definition of it, essentially. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're like okay is there anybody who doesn't do this yeah people who don't got no electricity and no yeah. and no reception that's, that's, that's who does that stuff bro okay um so how does uh screen addiction work on the mind it works exactly the same as a drug addict now when a drug addict is told that they're an addict do they say yes i'm an addict i'm going to work on it no they don't they say no i don't have a problem i can i can give up any time bro <laughs> So we're addicted to these screens and we've got to keep having our hits, but we don't get away from them so that we can actually work on things. And the, and the poor and the poor technical minded uh, uh, guys like us uh, on the screens and stuff like that, all of our work is uh, to do with these screens. So we can't get away from our work because this is this is what we do. Um, and then, of course, when we when we're done working on the screen, what do we do to entertain ourselves? Well, we put, we put something on the screen to entertain ourselves, don't we? Okay? So I think the feedback loop is not the internet. The internet is full of information. Information is just information. Well, sometimes it's disinformation. Sometimes it's misinformation. Um, but it's all in what you choose to do with it. Okay? Are you being who you're supposed to be? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Right? When I uh, quit my job, the last job that I quit 13 years ago, I called up uh, John Eisen from Uncensored Magazine, and I said to him, John, I feel like quitting my job. And he says, does it feel right? And I go, yeah, it does. Quit that job, haven't been back to work for a soulless corporation or a psychopath since. Okay. So whatever you're doing, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, follow that good advice from uh, John Eisen. Does it feel right? His wife gave me some pretty good advice as well, especially if, uh, for guys in the media field. Don't take yourself too seriously and don't take what people say about you personally. So, Vinny, uh, where can people find you? For the guys watching this on Iconic, I know you're going out live on your stream, but for the guys out on Iconic or listening to this on Spotify and iTunes, where can they find your work and contact you or connect with you? Uh, com. that's Vinny with a Y because it's the most important question and Eastwood like go ahead make my news so if you search Vinny Eastwood a contact you should be able to come up with my contact page and of course on the home page of the uh, the uh, the show here we've got um, uh, a BitChute channel Fushbork Eugenics Twitter you know all, all of them and uh, you can become a uh, Patreon or uh, donate through PayPal or if you are a New Zealand listener, uh, please uh, think about setting up an automatic payment into the uh, Kiwi Bank. Now, uh, the vast majority of the work on the moment is uh, actually on uh, YouTube. So if you just click the little uh, YouTube icon on the uh, the top of my page, it'll go straight to my channel where there are 4,000 videos that uh, you can search through and uh, learn pretty much anything you want about anything. Um, well, I, it's very difficult to quantify anything and everything, but... There so far hasn't been a subject uh, that's been brought up that I haven't covered. All right. So uh, the vast majority of the time, I'll be, well, Vinny, you should interview this guy. Interviewed him two years ago. Here's the link. Vinny, you should cover this subject. Done it three years ago. Here's the link. You know, uh, that kind of thing. So before you come and ask me to go and interview somebody or to cover a subject, just Google my name plus the subject. Chances are very good they will get somebody up there. Um, but occasionally, it is a bit of a, uh, a difficult one uh, with people. Um, like getting a guest, for example, I've had a lot of requests for Charlie Ward. I don't, I don't know who the guy is, 
Um, but apparently he's into QAnon and all of that kind of stuff. And uh, frankly, I've just shied away from uh, Jonestown, QAnon, Flat Earth and Trump and, 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 and everything like that. My cult radar just goes off. Huge alarm. Woof, woof, woof. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not a cult. Do you know what cultists say? Um, <laughs> and uh, the, the point of it is, and I think this is probably a, a good point to uh, close on, how do you know if you're under mind control? If you don't think you are. Absolutely. And that's what I'm coming to the conclusions in the book I'm writing as well, is that that well, we all are to a certain extent aren't we um Vinny, thank you for your time um love to the family and yeah hopefully we'll get to do this again soon so guys go over and check out Vinny's work up all the links below um to his website to his youtube channel to all the uh, social media and his and um his payment services Vinny, thank you for taking the time i know it's early there and i have a lovely day mate and it's been absolutely fantastic to talk to you about how we feel doing this work, not as opposed to actually going through conspiracy theories one after another. It's a it's a refreshing change, I think, and it's it's nice to be able to do that. Yeah, well, that's the uh, the other uh, thing that people say about my show. Not only is it uh, uh, good for the guests, and they and they feel it's like the best interviews they've had, uh, but it's also good uh, for the listeners because it is refreshing. Okay, but uh, just remember, it takes something out of me. Uh, to refresh other people um, so everybody has to give back and everybody has to pay forward all right you, you've got a, a two choices in this world ladies and gentlemen if you if you receive something that is good give it back in some way shape or form or pay it forward give it uh, forward to somebody else who might have been in a situation that you were in a time when you needed it all right when you recognize other people as being part of of you, not completely separate. They, we are all human beings. We all bleed. We all have the same thoughts and doubts about ourselves, apart from the psychopathic ones, of course. But at the end of the, but but at, at the end of the day, uh, don't be a duck. That's a great way to end it. Right. Cheers, guys. Cheers, man. Welcome to Glitch in the Code.